If you get anything out of today, I want to remind you of how special you are, what a miracle you are, how grateful I am you're here, and how grateful you should be to be here. Welcome back to the Take Flight podcast with me, Mark Whittle, a peak performance podcast where we speak with top performing athletes, entrepreneurs and lifestyle specialists to hear the stories behind their success and share the tools they feel help them win. So we can adopt these into our own lives and hopefully drive us closer to our own goals. I'm so pleased to be sharing this episode with you. As you know, last month I was lucky enough to go to California for a couple of weeks. I recorded a couple of episodes with two absolute ballers in the business and personal development space we had a fantastic response from the last episode with drama so thanks so much for all your feedback i loved sitting down with him and having a conversation it was really really fun for episode 20 of the take flight podcast the conversation i had was so impactful for me on a personal level that i had to title the episode my most important conversation to date the guest this week is none other than ed Milet. Ed is a business guru and entrepreneur, a peak performance expert, a coach, life coach, business coach, a motivational speaker, a podcast host, and a contributor to millions and millions on a daily, weekly basis. But really, he is so much more than that, and any intro won't really do it justice, but I was lucky enough to sit with Ed and visit him in his five-story mansion in Laguna Beach. It was an absolutely incredible experience. I loved it. The place is unreal. It was right on the beach. It was amazing. And you can literally hear the waves rolling in as we chat in the background. From a selfish standpoint, it was one of the highlights for sure of starting the podcast so far. He's such a legend, and he's the only one who's gone to the effort of listening to nearly every Take Flight episode before we met in preparation. And that's just such a sign of the type of guy that Ed is. And actually, it made it such a better conversation because he knew all about what I was trying to do and the message I was trying to get across as well, which was awesome. I've mentioned before that Tim Ferriss has been a huge inspiration for me for starting the podcast in the first place. I remember an episode I listened to probably about four years ago with Chris Sacker when the two of them are sat on a beach on an island somewhere and you can hear the waves coming in and you can hear the birds in the background are just thinking like, this guy is absolutely killing it. So... It's amazing from a selfish point of view to be able to listen back to this and think, wow, I got a chance to sit down with Ed and have a conversation in his Laguna Beach house in California with the waves coming in. And it was just an amazing experience. And hopefully that's a good example of reasons why you should just go for it. And, you know, even getting time with Ed is really difficult. So, so I was really pleased that I was able to do that. On this episode, Ed and I talk all about how to nail public speaking, something every single one of us is scared to a degree of no matter how well you present already there's always anxiety attached we talk all about the approach from a extrovert's point of view from an introvert's point of view and how you can utilize the skills that you have we talk about overcoming fear we talk about the real benefits of living a life in gratitude which i found hugely helpful something that i think most people struggle with and we talk about understanding your identity plus so so much more Towards the end of the episode, I did risk this becoming a bit of a therapy session where I spoke about some of the stuff that I have issues with, but sitting down with Ed and having the chance to get his advice, you know, I didn't want to miss that. I also feel that as a typical type A personality who's very driven, very ambitious, I think a lot of the people who listen to this are going to be struggling with the same things as well. So I really hope that the advice that Ed gives me towards the end of this episode is helpful for you guys as well. But it really is the best conversation I've had to date, and that's a huge statement because I've been lucky enough to speak with some amazing people this year already. But the advice given here by Ed is incredible. I can't thank him enough for just welcoming me into his home to begin with, but for giving his time up on a Saturday afternoon as well. 
and just the truth that he speaks here and the energy that he puts into the chat. So really, really appreciated that. Let's get straight into it because I feel strongly this is going to inspire so many people to be better. Please enjoy episode 20 of the Take Flight podcast with the legendary Ed Milet. Enjoy. Ed Milet, welcome to the Take Flight podcast. Great to have you at the house here, brother. It's awesome. Man, what a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, opening your doors to me. We We literally have opened all the doors as we look (laughs) at the ocean right now, so it's wonderful. You could hear the waves rolling in. It's amazing. And the first thing I think is just like, what an amazing example of the hard work that pays off and the reward that you get. Like, this place is incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, for me, it's a combination of the hard work and then some blessing too. You know, I'm not so ego-driven that I don't think there was something bigger than me that had, you know, some role in this too. And so, as you know, my faith's an important part of my life. But yeah, certainly... You know, I'm very grateful every morning when I walk out on the balcony and those waves are still there. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. You know, still to this day, there are mornings, not every morning, but there are a lot of mornings I kind of pinch myself like, wow, we're really here. This is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever get used to it? Yeah, I don't think I do. You know, um, there are there are things in my life that I've achieved that I kind of get used to. There's been a car or something like that, but there are a few things. Something about the water for me, I've always known as a little boy when I would, you know, my parents would drive to the beach on a weekend or something. I Something about near, being near the water, I just I uh, feel real connected to it. Relaxes me, and so nah, I'm not. I don't ever get used to this yeah. at all. In fact, right now, as I'm looking over your shoulder, I'm looking at these waves. I'm like, it's pretty cool. So no, it is literally incredible. Do, yeah. do you think there's something about? I definitely feel it. I live in the city. I live in London, so I actually physically feel a difference. If I just take my shoes off and stand on the grass, or mm-hmm. like, I definitely feel it when I'm in the water. Like that's my favorite thing about going on holidays. I go straight in the sea the moment mm-hmm. I get there. Wow, amazing that you just said that, because one of the things I tell when I have house guests here, I always tell them, make sure you take your shoes off and put your feet in that sand and in the water. There's something about the electromagnetic waves from yeah. the ground or something, but yeah, that's amazing that you said that. No one has ever said that to me before, because that's a big thing for me. My, I love the waves. My favorite thing is walking barefooted next to them and just feeling the earth and feeling the ocean. I know it sounds sort of cheesy, but that's a big, big thing to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get that 100%. Yeah, that's funny. Awesome. So, Ed, just to dive into it then. So, if you could give a bit of a background to the, it's obviously a UK audience largely, a bit of a background about who it is that you are and what it is that you do. That'd be great. Sure. Fundamentally, I'm an average person. So, no, uh, not true. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm an average person from the standpoint of IQ. I can tell you that. I mean, I've had my IQ tested several times. It's pretty average. In fact, I'm the lowest of the four people in our house here. Both my kids and my wife is higher than mine on the tests we've taken. <laughs> I grew up in a very uh, loving family, but my father was an alcoholic the whole time I lived there, so I know what it's like to grow up with anxiety and stress and worry, fear, like many people listening to this. They have their own form of that dysfunction in their family. We certainly had that. You know, we're the family kind of on the outside. It looked really good, but if you were to go behind that door, you'd see a family in some stress and some chaos. Um, I'm a very introverted, extremely shy person probably contributed to that was I was always introduced as shy and introverted by my parents this is little Eddie he's shy my dad's name's also Ed so is my grandfather's and so I grew up real uh shy introverted still to this day I have to fight that nature and then I was a baseball player in college I got released and my life changed in a job that I got it was not this career but I was unemployed my dad came home from a AA meeting he was getting sober and he said, I found you a job. Go to this place called McKinley Home for Boys. And anyway, I got there the next morning. I was 22 years old. And what this place was, was a campus group home, meaning all the boys there were orphans. And I walked into Cottage 8. 
And in my cottage, there were 10 boys in there, all 8 to 10 years old. My boys were removed from their families. Either their parents were dead, incarcerated in prison, or had molested them. And instantly, I became their father, their big brother. And children that come from an upbringing of any kind of anxiety or stress, I have a theory that our eyes are a little bit different. We just have these eyes that are just like, love me, please believe in me. And my life changed in that instant because I got, I fell in love with these boys. I fell in love with the feeling of helping people and contributing and making a difference for them. And it wasn't about being famous or rich. It was just the strangest thing. I just went, oh my God, I love this. It was for $6 an hour in the U.S., right, which is nothing. <laughs> and um, long story short, during the time that I worked there, my financial business approached me and I started in the industry that ended up making me, you know, a lot of my money. Well, I worked there, except I got into business very uniquely. I got into business not to make money, ironically. I literally chose the business because I was loving helping these kids. I thought, man, I want to go help their parents. I want to go help adults. And this business would do that. And so I stayed in my business when there wasn't a lot of money coming in because it wasn't my reason to be there. And ironically, this windfall financially ended up happening for me. But I think it happened because I got in business for the cause for the mission of it, not just the monetization piece. Mm. Really unique. How did you decide to be in it for that? Was it based off the responsibility that you had with the previous role? Yeah, for sure. It was that I, first of all, I didn't grow up in a family where money was any priority anyways. Nobody in my family ever talked about getting rich or having money. I never even really thought that much about it, frankly. Um, but I fell in love so much with making a difference for these boys. But what I found out is, you know, kids that come from a place of anxiety, their parents have anxiety, their parents have stress. And so most of that stress was financial. And I ended up making the decision that I wanted to go help people with their money. And so I got into business for that purpose. And then my whole life changed from my, you know, by the time I was 28, I was making a million dollars a year. By the time I was 38, I was making a couple million dollars yeah. a year. And the rest is history. So Wow. Yeah. Just to touch on a little bit of this stuff around, being more introverted do you think the responsibility again with those kids brought you out of your shell a little bit yeah no i still think i fight it even to this day if we were uh you and i went to you know school together if i ran into you at a mall somewhere i'd probably go duck into a store and hide just i would love to talk to you but i'm just introverted and shy when i go on the road and travel my wife and i argue about this all the time i'd much rather get room service and i i, I don't think you know being shy isn't necessarily a bad thing i think i enjoy quiet I enjoy, which is ironic because I speak on stage in front of millions of people, and you know I've talked to probably almost more people on stage than anybody in the world has in the last you know fifteen or twenty years. But no, I I, I embrace the fact that I'm a little bit introverted. It, it, it requ- I care about people a lot, and so when I'm in their presence, I want to make a difference to them. I want to connect with them, and I think that takes some of my energy too. I don't just take human beings casually, and so I think usually shy people, all of the shy ones listening to this. We'll tell you, we know our intentions are really good. We really care what you think, not in a bad way. We really want to help people and connect with them. And so it just takes a lot of effort for me to do it. And I've worked really hard on not always being that way. But even to this day, I'm being really honest, which we should be. I still fight my tendency to be that way. Yeah, no, I can imagine. So so what would you say to introverts who are listening, who are trying to succeed and, and achieve things in what is really seen as an extrovert's world? Yeah, absolutely got it for you right here, okay? Yeah. We all introverts, though, if you get us on a topic we're passionate about, that we love, we can talk your ear off. <laughs> and so if it's a sports team you're excited about or your children or a particular 
a belief you have religiously or scientifically. You can get going on that even if you're introverted. And so the most important thing for us introverts, which is cool, we have to really believe in what we're talking about. We have to really believe in our product if we're an entrepreneur, really believe in our cause and our calling. And then all of a sudden, we flip and we're some of the most articulate people you'll ever meet. And we can connect with you different ways. We can connect you with, with the look on our face. We can connect to you with our silence because we love to listen to other people. We don't always have to be heard. And so it's our certainty level that lets us communicate in a strong way. I'll tell you a secret. I've coached a lot of the presidential, some of the presidential candidates in the United States the last couple of years. As you know, on my podcast, I've had some of the most successful athletes and entertainers and speakers in the world. And I'm going to give you a secret. The majority of them are introverts. The vast majority of the people that are actually the best communicators that connect the best with people are introverts. And then when you get them away from their music or their entertainment or their business and you meet them socially, sometimes people think they're being arrogant or cool or aloof. But what it is is they're very introverted and they're outside their comfort zone because now they're not doing what they love and doing something they're passionate about. So my message to introverts is really simple. Just love it. Find something you totally believe in and instantly it's removed from you. And every introvert listening to this knows if I get you talking about your kids, you can talk all day long, or your parents, or your religion, or your a business you're passionate about. If it's fitness, you know, I get you talking about being fitness, you just light up. All of a sudden, this light comes on in you. And so it's a matter of really believing and being passionate about what you're going to talk about. I think that's good. That's probably a good message to an extrovert as well, though, because extroverts can talk a lot about lots of different subjects. Yeah. but when they do light up and talk about a subject they're passionate about, it's so much more valuable for everybody. Far more valuable. I'm telling all the introverts out there, I think we have an advantage because these extroverts (laughs) are talking all the time and we're listening. All of a sudden, it's kind of like, you know, these people we all know that, boy, they don't talk a whole lot, but when they do, listen, you know, and so, and by the way, I have my, here's the irony. Most of my best friends are very extroverted because they make up for the fact that I'm not, right? So if we're at a dinner table, I love being around extroverts because I don't have to do all the talking. Right, I can do all the listening. And so it's funny, most of my friends are crazy, funny, nuts, extroverts. So I love both both types. <laughs> so to talk about an activity that is usually looked at for, from an extrovert's point of view, which is public speaking, mm-hmm. and you've spoken about that you do that a lot already, and you're probably, I think I've heard you say that you've spoken to millions and millions of people now. I have. Right? Yeah, I don't know how many millions, but a few millions. We'll say yeah. millions and millions. Yeah, more than a million. How's that? <laughs> um, so I, I find it interesting, and you hear the stat or, or the saying that there's a very high percentage of people who are or fear public speaking more than death yeah so what would you say to people who are fearing public speaking or just generally who have a role that is going to involve presenting or being up in front of people how would you advise them yeah first you have to do it to get over it's like any other fear but for me the separations in the preparation as long as i'm really prepared i know what i'm going to talk about and i will tell you that some of the greatest think about the stand-up comics if you're a comedy fan It's not always the words you're saying. Some of the funniest parts of it are in the silence. So it's okay to be quiet when you speak. It's okay that there's silence. In fact, it's when usually there's emphasis on a joke or emphasis on a point when you watch another speaker. The biggest thing I would tell you is that get very prepared when you speak. Do not do an impression of somebody else. Be completely transparent. Just be you. You'll find out that even if your words aren't perfect, that when people... The, the level of influence in life is really simple. It's not that people... Here's the mistake everybody makes. They think, for me to get you to buy something for me, or for me to be a great speaker, I have to get people to believe what I'm saying. It's a pretty common thing. I better get them to believe me. And it's a complete mistake, because you look desperate, you look like you're begging, and you can't control that. Level of influence is not that people believe what you're saying. You ready? This is going to give a breakthrough to everybody. Level of influence is people believe you believe what you're saying. That's all it is. That's a subtle distinction, and it's huge. So when I speak, I'm not trying to get everybody to believe me. 
I'm trying to get them to believe I believe me. And so that keeps it inside me. I'm much less concerned about what they're thinking when I do that. So my wording's different. My phrase, if you'd walk on a stage every time, whether there's two people, 10 people, or 25,000 people, or you walk into a sales call, if you'd start realizing that what I'm supposed to do here today is to get them to believe I believe what I'm saying. People buy things all the time that they don't necessarily believe, want, or need, but they buy it because you believe it, right? That's what. That's the level of influence. And then the last thing is this. When you're speaking on stage, no one will ever tell you this, but I'll give you a tip. Write the finish first. Write the last thing you're going to say first, okay? It's the biggest mistake speakers make is that when they walk out, they always know what they're going to say first because they're the most nervous about the first 30 seconds. And they kind of have an idea what they're going to say in the middle because that's the content of what they're speaking about. Almost nobody writes their finish. And so you always watch a speaker like, you got to stop. Like, they don't know how to get off the stage. They, don't know how to, they always think they got to finish on a high. They have not written how they're going to finish. So every speech I've ever had, since I figured this out, I write the finish, the last one minute first, then I write the rest of the speech. So I always know how I'm going to close. I always know how I'm going to get off the stage. And it doesn't always have to be on a high. If you ever watch a stand-up comic, the funniest joke is not always the last one. But I guarantee you that stand-up knew what the last joke was going to be before he or she walked out there. Yeah. Same with all great speakers. Amazing. So you're starting with the end in mind. Every single time. Okay. And as far as the feeling of believing what you're saying obviously you should be feeling that anyway but it, yeah. could it be as something as simple as just saying in your head like i believe i believe i believe yeah i think i think it's a certainty level i think uh, you can't transfer to me something that which you're not experiencing and so as long as internally i don't you know it's not even something i repeat like i just i i intuitively know that what i'm talking about i completely firmly believe in and i just have this belief that you transfer to me that which you're experiencing certainty is influence okay so in any conversation you and I talking one on one my wife and I prove this all the time I've been with my wife for a long time as you and I were talking about off camera I've never won an argument <laughs> I've never won an argument even though I've been right a lot of the times and the reason I've never won an argument is she's always more certain she's right than I'm certain that I'm right and in every exchange in life the more certain person always influences the less certain person and so that's true in a sales call if you're more certain they need your product or service than they are that they don't you'll eventually influence them and that's also true when you speak on stage I just get in a total state of certainty and belief about what I'm going to cover what I'm going to talk about and that energy is transferred to people doesn't mean it's transferred to every single person but that's my um, barometer as to whether or not I'm ready. Am I certain about what I'm talking about? And that's why preparation matters so much. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I love that so much. I, mean, yeah. I, I can't wait to listen to that bit back again. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so how much are you doing speaking versus coaching versus your day-to-day -day business stuff at the moment? Yeah, I am speaking a little bit less just because I did buy a jet so that I could fly around, which is cool, so I could get back for my children. But I have teenage children, and so just being gone is... You know, my son's going to, as a junior in high school, my, that means in the U.S., my son's got maybe 18 more months in my family. I don't want to miss his golf tournaments and special events. And so I am speaking slightly less than I used to. But every day is different for me. Like uh, today is a weekend and you and I are working together here. And then I've got a meeting, as you know, after this where I'm recording something. I've never in my life probably put in as many hours as I am right now because I just feel like there's such a moment in time over the next 10 years where I just feel like the world is, I don't mean to rant, but... I feel like the world is so divided right now, you know, that our politics are divided, our nations are divided, people are divided, and I don't think political parties are going to fix it. I don't think necessarily the media is going to fix it. 
I really believe real people, entrepreneurs, are going to change the world. I really believe the force for good in the world will be innovators, entrepreneurs, people taking control of their lives. Because entrepreneur doesn't care what race you are, doesn't care what color you are, what religion you are, what gender, what sexual preference you are. And so I believe the great consciousness change in the world is going to be done by entrepreneurs. And I feel like I, in my position, have a chance to be one of the leaders of that movement. Mm -hmm. I've been asked to run for political office in the U.S. many, many times. I've been asked to take my TV show into the media off of iTunes. And I may do the latter, but I certainly don't think that's going to change the world. What's going to change the world is entrepreneurs and a big movement of good people yeah. helping other people. So Yeah, oh, I certainly think that you're doing your part. So. I'm trying, man. <laughs> <laughs> I could do a lot more, trust me. So... I want to flip the gears a little bit, go okay. more into kind of the mindset stuff because the okay. things I've heard you talk about really hit home with me a lot and I just think it'll be amazing to get a similar kind of, I guess, message from you on, on this episode as well. Sure. So something I love hearing you talk about and it's something that my dad's talked to me about from a very young age, which is the science of either finding opportunity or finding that attraction. Mm -hmm. And I've heard you talk about um, the reticular activating system yeah. and what that means and how that draws opportunities to you. So I'd yeah. love to hear your kind of take on it. I'm really glad you asked about it. You know, I'm a person of faith. Some of the people listening to this will be too. And I'm always perplexed by people of faith who don't want to know how the mind works. And I'm always perplexed by people who really understand science who don't believe there could be a God who created it all. And so as a person of faith, I believe in the power of the mind and we're learning more and more about it. There's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system. It's like the matrix of your mind. It's the, it's the filter that you see the world through. And it, what it does is it filters out everything that is not important to you or that you don't believe. And so I always use this example. I used it in my book, but that's why if you've ever bought a new car, all of a sudden, that car is everywhere when you're driving, isn't it? It's three lanes over on the wrong side of the, the highway. You're like, wow, there's another one. Those cars were always there. Why do you see them now? Because they've been filtered into your importance, okay? If you're in a crowded room at a party and someone yells out a name not yours, you don't even hear it. But if they yell out your name, you hear it because it's important to you. And so it happens in our ears and our eyes and in all of our senses. And so it filters the world. If you, if you believe something very strongly, no matter what it is, your reticular activating system goes to work on finding you the evidence to prove you right. That's why you ever meet someone in a political discussion. They have a million facts. They're totally sure they're right. You think they're completely crazy because their reticular activator spent all this time finding references to prove them true. And so has yours and your belief. Okay. So the key thing in life then is programming our minds to make the right things. That's why our obsessions become our possessions. Not because that's some great rhyming slogan. It's because that's actually how the brain works. So if your obsessions are your problems, your fears, your insecurities, the things you're worried about, your filter, that RAS, is going to find all of those blue cars, those new cars you bought, and bring them to you. So for me, it's taking control specifically. The key thing with the RAS is it doesn't go to work on processing like a generic file like oh i want to be rich or i want to be fit it doesn't know how to find you the resources for that but if you said i want to make 15 sales this month i want to lose 25 pounds i want a million dollars in cash very specific things it finds you all of a sudden you'll be in a restaurant if you're really obsessed about these things and you'll be hearing a conversation three tables over that your reticular activator filters in through its ears that relates to your business or your body that you now hear that you didn't hear before it was there you will see people places and things and resources that were always there that you didn't see because they weren't important to you. The law of attraction is a very mamsy-pamsy, very generic, yay, sounds good, the secret, whatever. <laughs> okay, but it's really, it's the science behind it that's true. You don't just attract things because you want them. It's actually fundamentally true that when you're obsessed with something, your mind filters those resources in, and that's why you end up attracting it to you. Yeah. And so it's learning to program that. And I'm, it's one of the three or four things in my life 
that I have not mastered, but that I'm better than most at that makes people go, why is it so easy for you? How come every time you set up a goal, you just crush it? Because I understand the part of programming my RAS, which I cover in the book too. Okay. Yeah. Amazing, man. Yeah. Did you, you believe very strongly you attracted this house, all the things you're doing day to day into your life? I attracted the resources that put this together. So when I was a little boy, my wife and I would walk on this beach. No joke. We lived an hour and a half from here in a not great area. Not bad, but not great. And I'd walk on this beach and tell her, someday we're going to live there. Someday we're going to live there. Someday we're going to live there. And eventually, as I got closer to something like this, I started to get, I had to know what, how much money I needed to get something like this, which was a lot. And how much big my, how big my business needed to be in order to do that. And I started to really program into my mind the things that I needed to acquire in order to get this, which was a certain amount of production in my business, a certain amount of sales, a certain amount of agents, a certain amount of those things. And that's what I programmed into my mind was not necessarily just the house, but the, the resources I would need to get the house. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I think that just comes back to that kind of taking one step at a time, mm-hmm. understanding the detail, what you're doing tomorrow versus what you want in 10 years. Yeah, I, uh, it's, a, it's a dichotomy, right? I want to be completely focused on the next 10 years, but I want to take action in the immediate mm-hmm. time frame. And that's one of the difficult things. There's people who are always dreaming, yay, yay, 10 years from now, don't do anything every day. And then there's those people that are just like grinding every day with no vision for the future. Both of them end up losing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so interesting, man. So you've met some incredibly impressive people. You've coached amazing people. Mm-hmm. You've done podcast episodes with some amazing people. Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely love your podcast, by the way. Mm-hmm. Thank some, you. Some of the ones that stand I like out. Yours. Thank you. Uh, do you know what I love? And I see the similarities in our podcasts are yeah. that we obviously have our own passions and things as well. So I use it as an excuse to sit down with people like you Same here. and other sports so people and athletes who I've always wanted to talk what, to. What we both do in our show is we're both genuinely enthusiastic during it and learning ourselves. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. I'm the same way. So, I mean, like you have people like Terrell Owens on there. At yeah. yeah, it's just like, that's incredible. And yeah. I've had guys like um, Jamie George and mm. big rugby players over in the UK and it's awesome. just like chances to sit down with those yeah, guys. Yeah, exactly. So it's so fun. Yeah. yeah. So of the people that you've sat down, who are some of the really impressive people and who are the ones who have taught you amazing things? <laughs> well, a lot of them are my really good friends <laughs> off camera, so or I, me, or I mentor a lot of them. So I'll, I, uh, <laughs> that's a difficult question. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, I enjoyed my conversation with Tony Robbins. Yeah. So uh, Tony, if if Evan have heard that one, it's not. It's a side of him you would you you would be interested in because we're friends. So I enjoyed the one with Tony Robbins. He was unique. I, I, want, to, I want to try and go to um, his Unleashed the Power of In. He does it in April in London. Every highly year. recommend you go. Yeah. I highly recommend. I've been. Four or five times. Yeah. I've been to date with Destiny many times. I'm a part of his Platinum Partners uh, group, and uh, and we're neighbors. So it's a uh, really cool uh, to have built the <laughs> nice. friendship with him too. And he's really one of the main reasons I ended up in this space. It was at his encouragement that I did. Mm. So I, I enjoyed that one. I en- I interviewed a guy, a unique one. I interviewed the guy named Robert O'Neill who ultimately killed Osama bin Laden. And so that one was riveting. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most riveting interviews on any topic anyone's ever done, I've ever heard. And that was also the feedback from the world. Okay. So that one blew my mind. And uh, just some unique ones. I interviewed recently, I interviewed Stephanie McMahon, who she runs the WWE, and her dad's Vince McMahon. And some of the things she shared about depression and some things like that towards the end of the interview were unbelievably revealing i got to be honest, I'm not being funny either. Maybe there's been one or two of all my shows where I didn't think I got a ton of results myself, but 99% of them have just blown my mind yeah. with the depth of these folks and our friendship posts. So 
you know, those are three, but there's there's yeah, a whole awesome. bunch, man. Um, the Stephanie McMahon one, a little bit embarrassing, this story, but yeah. I was listening to it on the tube in London coming home, uh-huh. and uh, I think I had a few drinks the night before, so I was a little bit <laughs> emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, I, I cried on the tube Did listening you? to that, like that yeah. story. I'll cry right now because I love her. Yeah. yeah we I talk th- often. It was that it, it kid called Connor that she was telling the story at the yeah. end of the Connor's cure. Like, oh. Yeah. You know how you'll find out, too, about these winners that, that I will give, tell everybody, and this is certainly true for me, we're really not any different than you. We really aren't. What we did is we found some things we're super passionate about. We're a little bit better with our mindset. We outwork you. You know, we outwork you. And we just find big, compelling reasons that get us to work hard. So whether that, in her case, was Connor's Cure, you know, in my case, is the charitable things I do or my own family. But it's just finding massive reasons, man. It's, it's just there we're really not like I, I'd love to tell you these people are brilliant or gifted or really unique and a couple of them have some unique gifts but for the most part these are average ordinary people with massive compelling reasons yeah yeah finding a purpose bigger than yourself big time it? man it's it's so hard because in this space like you know everyone hears these things over and over but if you understood like legitimately like I'm pretty fit for a 47 year old guy because I, I had, uh, basically had a cardiac event when I was 30 I, um, I had a doctor tell me I wasn't going to be at my daughter's wedding so then I get up in the morning, go Bella's wedding, and it mm. compels me to go to the gym because I'm lazy like everybody else. There's mornings I don't want to go to the gym, but what, I have this huge reason I want to be to able to walk my daughter down the aisle someday. Yeah. So you look at a guy that's fit and you go, oh, he must be just a monster. He's just so disciplined. No, I have huge reasons. Yeah. Huge reasons. I'm not that disciplined. I have great habits, great rituals, and great reasons, but I'm not that disciplined because yeah. winners, the, dip, the separation between a winner and a loser is what you do on the days you're not inspired. What do you do in the days you're not motivated? What are your habits and rituals when you're tired and fatigued and depressed and down, which I get, which everybody gets? That's what separates me. Everybody works hard when they're inspired. Everybody's going to leave this podcast and go, yeah, right, I got it. But what are you going to do three days from now when there's a rejection, when there's some failure, when you didn't listen to a podcast? What's your habit and ritual those days? That's going to separate you from someday being a guest on your show or always somebody who just listens to your show. Yeah, That's the separator. Love that, man. Yeah, that's so true. good. <laughs> so, man, every time I listen to you and sitting across from you right now, it's so inspiring. Good. I feel the energy. Me too. Thank you. <laughs> but um, I'm interested to know, and it's a, again, it's a term that my dad uses, is what motivates the motivator? What is it that gets you out of bed? What is it that keeps you exercising? And, it, it's, and it, it's changed over time, So, which I'm conscious of making sure I give myself new stimulus. There's also people listening to this who are already your achievers, and you're trying to use the same old stuff to get you motivated, and you've already achieved it or it's burnt you out. So I know when I was young, I believe, I'm a big believer in the six human needs, which we don't have time to cover right now. But when I was younger, I was really driven by significance, recognition, winning, competing, yeah. being well-known, making money, achievement, being number one. And that really drove me. And then when I got a lot of recognition, I got a lot of significance, I got a lot of money, then you're like, okay, what else is there? And so for me, it's contribution. If you want to get me to do something, like even the podcast today, I, when my staff approached me about doing it, I'm like, yeah, the old days would be like, his audience is huge. He's the number two podcast in the UK, right behind Tim Ferriss. Recognition. But really what my sister said to me, who's my assistant, she said to me, I've listened to some of his shows and I love his audience. I think you could make a difference. I'm like, all right, let's do that one. Because I get about 300 a month requests really? and I do about six Right, And so they're always ones where I think I can contribute or reach people that maybe I haven't been able to reach. So what gets me out of bed now is contribution. And I have a goal. I'm 47 years old. I spent the first 46 years of my life building my dream life, building my destiny. I'm not smart. I have experience. One of the things that makes me unique in this space is I've really built a great life. 
I've really built wealth. I've really built a business. I've really built a body. I've built a family. All of those have flaws, but I've really done something. I don't tell people to do things I haven't done. What, what I do bring to the table is a ton of experience. So I spent the first 45, 46 years of my life building my own destiny and dream. I want to spend the next 45 years of my life life helping other people build theirs. And my outcome is to reach 100 million people before I'm 55 years old. The only way that I can do that is through technology, through podcasts like this. And I have another strategy. I want to lift up the great people in this space as a leader in the space and give them a platform, people like you. Because I can't reach them all myself, but if I can lift up um, Rachel Hollis and Tony Robbins and Andy Frisella and Tim Story, whoever it is, and yourself and other great people in the space, then they can carry the message as well. Yeah. So that's my goal, 100 million people. Amazing. Yeah. All right. When are you going to do it? 55. 55. Yeah. I probably already, we've probably already in somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 or 50 million wow. already just from the podcast and the show and all that. So Amazing, it'll be, it'll be sooner than that. What about, is there any, outside of the Ed Milet show, which everyone should go and listen to because mm-hmm. it is amazing, Thank what you. other kind of content, be it podcasts, books, could people listen to to motivate themselves? Uh, outside of my stuff. Like, who do I like? Is that what you mean? Oh, wow. I love so many different things. Um, um, I, I, oh guys, hard to pick somebody on leadership. I like John Maxwell stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy named Dr. Robert Anthony who nobody knows who writes on self-confidence and I'm a big, you know, people think I'm the expert in the world on self-confidence. Well, I'll be honest with you. I get a lot of my stuff from Robert Anthony. He's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Robbins, uh, I enjoy uh, his podcast. So I, I, there'd be hard to pick any. There's so many now that are really, really good. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing my friends that are out there because there's so <laughs> many. My partner in my Arate Syndicate is Andy Frisella. I think Andy's podcast is super yeah, intense. He's cool. super direct. I think he's incredible. And uh, there's so many. There's yeah. so much good stuff now. I will say this. You should pick one or two. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be listening to 25 different people, maybe a maximum of three, because you're just going to get conflicting information. You'll spend your entire day listening to audio information. So yeah. pick two or three people that you connect with yeah. and, uh, and maybe you know randomly rotate in one random one. But if you're listening to 10 or 12 or 15 or 20, you're just getting overwhelmed with yeah. information. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I actually, uh, at the event I was telling you about last week in San Francisco, mm. I was sat down with a monk, actually. They had like a mindfulness section. Mm. And one of the things that he talked about was if you imagine a glass of water, the glass is being filled up with water and that's like the information that we're trying to receive mm. in our brains mm. eventually it's going to overspill mm-hmm. and that's what happens I find it myself I'm trying to read loads I'm trying to listen to loads and, it, mm. and then eventually I'm just like I can't I can't listen to it anymore yeah I, by the way what a great analogy I may steal that yeah, from you because it, it's yeah. really really true yeah the, and the other thing too is like the, there's no substitute for experience so I play these video games with my kids. I don't know if you've ever played a video game with a kid, but like I'm 47 years old. My kids are teenagers. Like if we're playing football, I'll lose 65 to nothing. Like it's just, they just destroy me, right? And the reason is, is because I'm going off an instruction manual or something I watched on YouTube. They've had actual experience playing the game, Mm -hmm. right? And there's no substitute for actual experience because they can anticipate things based (laughs) on their experience. There's so many people out there in the personal development space, the business space, who are like me playing a video game. It's all off YouTube. It's all off iTunes. It's no experience. You have to get out and take action. You have to get out and do things and learn as you go so that way you can anticipate. So pick two or three. I happen to think mine stuff is really, really good because I'm always evolving and I bring energy and information, and I bring also really good guests. But my own content, I think I feel comfortable endorsing oh, too. 100%, and I'll, <laughs> I'll do that as well. What, what I would like to say about yours as well is, what I love about it is motivating and inspiring, mm-hmm. obviously, but like we spoke about the Stephanie McMahon episode at the end there, like yes. a huge amount of empathy, and like you're not afraid to like 
go pretty deep with people and get like emotional. I do. It's so funny (laughs) that there's this. Before they do my show now, these men will say, "I know you get everybody to cry, (laughs) but I'm not going to cry." Inevitably, I'm like, "Look, I'm not." And I don't even do anything to do it. I think what it is is that when they sit, what makes the show kind of unique is that it's sort of, and I don't mean this braggadociously because I'm certainly nowhere near where I need to be, but it's a unique dynamic because it's two successful people talking. And I think there's a level of respect and comfort that's created. There's safety because they know I'm also sort of successful mm-hmm. too. And I think when we're listening, they just sense, my God, this man loves me and cares about me. And it's been shocking to me how many people who've gotten deeply emotional on my show that I didn't expect. I just interviewed a boxer named Andre Ward, who many of the people in the UK will know. He's, I just love this dude now, yeah. undefeated. Other than Floyd Mayweather, you, know, you might be able to argue he's the greatest boxer of the last 15, 20 years, but a lot of people don't know who Andre is. And then when he started to talk about his dad growing up and just started to get emotional right in front of him, I'm like, my gosh, this keeps happening all the time. Yeah. So it's a, it's a wonderful experience when that happens that you connect with someone like that. Yeah, no, I love yeah. it, man. Uh, and do you know what? We're talking about so many people that you work with and connect with. And there was an amazing analogy that I heard you use about a thermostat in your house mm-hmm. where you're talking about who you associate yourself with, who you surround yourself with. Yeah. I'd love to hear your explanation of how that works. Yeah, this is life right here. So of all the questions that I get from people, it almost always comes down to their identity. Your identity is the self-worth or it's the, it, the most powerful force in the world is to be consistent with your identity. And what that means is it's really, your identity is the concepts, ideas, and thoughts that you hold true about yourself. Okay, And what that is, is it's like a thermostat right there. It's on the wall, set at 77 degrees. The identity of your life sets the temperature for your life in every area. And you will, like that thermostat, you would think that it's right now it's a beautiful day. We've opened these doors. If a bunch of hot air blew in this room, an external source, that thermostat's going to regulate that room to 77 degrees. No matter what comes at it, it's going to get 77 degrees. If cold air blew in here, it'll turn the heater on. Right? In life, the same is true. And so what happens in life, if you're a 75 degree or let's just say financially, okay, or happiness wise or fitness, but let's just use money, 75 degrees finish and life starts going great. It's getting hotter and hotter and hotter and it's getting heated up, right? If you don't change your thermostat, what you believe you're worth, you will unconsciously turn the air conditioner of your life on and you will cool your life, your money right back down to 77 degrees, 75 degrees again. You, it'll, it'll seem inconsequential. It'll seem like, oh, uh, random, my car broke down. This bill came up. This client backed out. It'll seem completely uh, disconnected, but it's not. You've sabotaged your life and you've cooled it back down. The same is also true. If life starts to get really bad, you're going broke, let's say financially, you're way below, you're behind on bills, you find a way to turn the heater on, don't you, eventually, if you look back at your life and you get it right back up to your regulated temperature at 75 degrees. So the key thing in life is that you must alter the thermostat setting of your life because you could be in a better business, a better relationship, have more opportunity, have momentum. You will find a way to get that temperature out of your life. It's true for everybody. And so for me, my obsession with my life is doing the things required to change me from 75 to 85 to 105 to 155 and beyond because I know that regulates my life. It regulates if it's, you have, by the way, you have an identity of happiness, of peace of confidence, of money, of business, of body. There are multiple thermostats. And I'm constantly trying to do the things required to heat my life up. That's why I live here on the ocean. If you really want to know why, it's because I altered my thermostat over time, which does require listening to things and reading things and the power of association. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff you do to change your identity too. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I love it, man. Yeah. Was, that is the core right yeah. there of, of my life is the identity. Yeah, I love it. Um. Yeah, that's interesting because something I think I had a problem with was when I 
first started working in business. I'd spent my whole life working towards getting into that job that I wanted or that I thought I wanted. But everything up until that point had been just do what I want, try and achieve as much as I can, whether that was in education or in sport. I, I played soccer over in the US for a bit and uh, did all these amazing things, but was very kind of reactive, just mm. chased the short-term win and, and dopamine hits and kind of had like some kind of addiction to that. And I think I still suffer with that mm-hmm. quite a lot, to be honest. And tie quite a lot of it to self-achievement or my self-worth to self-achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I find it hard to talk about it. It's okay, you're doing good. I'm listening. So yeah, whether it was scoring a goal back in the day, I've, I've yep. stopped now because of injuries, but or, or whether it was uh, travelling somewhere mm-hmm. new, having a new experience and ha- having a little short-term dopamine hit there, mm-hmm. or whether it was getting a sale in or mm-hmm. something like that. Let's, but, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. everybody listening to this has that issue. So what happens is what we all really want is to feel love and connected. That's like, at the, it's funny, two dudes with tattoos talking about this, right? But like, <laughs> what we all really want is love and connection. And what happens is we get wired when we're kids. And this is really important to understand our lives because a lot of what happens to us as adults is because of what happened when we were kids. Yeah. And what happens is when we're kids, typically the times we feel the most love and connection from our family is when we do something significant. We bring home a good grade. We hit a home run. We score a goal in soccer. And we get the highest amount of recognition and praise from our family. And so we make this connection. Oh, I get love and connection when I achieve. When I achieve. And so we become achievement addictors. We get addicted to that. Except the problem is is it's always short term. Achievement makes you happy. I love when people say, oh, don't material things don't make you happy. That's a total lie. And well, recognition won't make you happy. Total lie. Just ask yourself, ladies, listen to this. You ever bought a beautiful dress? Were you happy when you bought it? You bet your ass you were happy when you bought it, right? Guys, you ever bought that car you wanted really bad to make you happy? Absolutely. The issue is it doesn't fulfill you. There's a difference between happiness and fulfillment. Achievement makes you happy. Material things make you happy. They're just short term. What we really want is fulfillment, which is an enduring thing in our life, right? There's a huge difference between happiness and fulfillment. There's a whole bunch of unhappy people. That's one level of life. There are other people who dip into happiness pretty regularly. What's rare is fulfillment. And so for me, my biggest dopamine hits are long-term now, which is feeling connected to my purpose, feeling like I'm making a difference. Like when you leave here today, I'll be on a pretty big high, to be honest with you, that will sustain me until tomorrow when I meet with someone else. And so I'm fulfilled because I'm spending my life in the pursuit of helping other people, of connecting with other people. That fulfills me. I found what fulfills me. For some of you, fulfillment will be, you know, teaching people. For some of you, it'll be healing people. For some of you, it'll be your art, your instrument, your music. For some of you, it will be just growing your business more and more and more. It fulfills you. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you, one of the keys to a beautiful life is figuring out what fulfills you. Mm-hmm. And I know at this stage of my life, it's contributing to other people. I don't know why. It wasn't that way when I was 25. When I was 25, it was about achievement, winning, making a bunch of money. I think probably because I have a lot of it now, right? <laughs> so I have a lot of it. So that's not what fulfills me or sustains me. And it shifted. And so it's important to ask yourself, everyone listen to this, like, do you really do that? Maybe when you were a kid, when you brought home a good grade, or you were in a recital, or you were in a play, or you were in sports, that's when you get the most love and connection. So you keep getting that hit, as you called it. But it'll be fleeting. It's short-term every time. Mm. Yeah, that's so good, man. I'm going to have to keep that in mind. I think mm. that it's so hard because that, that, the drive and the ambition is amazing. And mm. it, it means that people achieve fantastic things and could be successful and make money and have these houses and all these mm. fantastic things. 
I struggle with not really ever feeling fulfilled with everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And I heard you talk about something which I loved called uh, being blissfully dissatisfied. Yep. And yeah, could you could you touch yes. on that? Yeah. So there's two types. So I believe in blissful dissatisfaction. What that means is people confuse happiness and satisfaction. They're completely different things. So achievers have this philosophy. Here's what they think. I better not enjoy what I'm doing right now because I'll lose my drive. So they cheat themselves from the bliss, from the happiness, because, man, if I really enjoy this, uh, my, my formula has always been, I really don't enjoy this, so I want more of it. Okay, that's stupid. But I know that that's what they believe because I believed it for about 20 years, right? I'm telling you that you can be in a blissful state and still remain dissatisfied and want more. In other words, you can be happy where you are and still desire more. In fact, it's critical because if you ever have a great meal, like, like a steak, bite into a steak, it's blissful, right? Does that make me not want another bite? Not, not whatsoever. In fact, the degree to which it's blissful makes me want more. And so if you were really smart and you were an achiever, you know the more you celebrate your wins, the more the dopamine hit is actually bigger, the more you'll want it again and want to do it again. If you cheat yourself over and over again from your happiness, eventually you get what we call burnout. Burnout is, I never enjoyed it, I never celebrated it, I never had any of that, and now I don't even want to go achieve. Mm. The reverse is also true with lack of achievers. People who aren't achieving, they think, well, I'll be happy when. When I get the relationship, when I get the house, when I get the promotion, they delay their bliss until a future destination. The problem with that is, you will be bringing you with you to that destination. And so if you can't be happy in your current situation, I promise you, I know from coaching people, you will not be happy in the new one. And so both are flawed philosophies. And here's the reason, here's the solution, in my opinion. Not easy, but easy to say. Tony Robbins has a great saying where he says, you need to trade your expectations for appreciation. Okay? And so what I've learned to do is have dramatic gratitude and dramatic appreciation for the smallest possible things. In other words, People always say, well, you need gratitude. Cool. What are you? I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful. It's easy to find those things. What are the simple things you're grateful for? Like, I'll give you an example. One of my really good friends has a daughter with leukemia right now. It sounds odd, but I'm just really grateful today my children are healthy. I'm filling myself up with appreciation. I am appreciative for you being here today. I'm trying to be present in the moment. In other words, the hardest thing for people to do today with their phones and their laptops and their computers is just to appreciate this moment. There's a friend of mine I just met named Jesse Itzler. I just met him, and uh, he's the owner of the Atlanta Hawks. He founded Marquee Jet. He's a stud. <laughs> and we just connected immediately when we met. And so one of the things he said that just, I'm so just blown away by is he said, I think I have 24 more Septembers. It was a weird way to look at it, right? Yeah. Like kind of almost morbid. But he said, I got 24 more Septembers. And it, but what's important about that is because it makes you appreciate the one you're in because there's you don't have all of them. Yeah. There's only going to be so many days I can look at this ocean, so many conversations with you. So yeah, there's things I want to achieve. I'm dissatisfied, but I got to find a way to be blissful now, grateful now, appreciative now. And I think the way you do that is to know that these moments aren't always promised. Yeah. The guy right here next door at that house right there has something called liposarcoma that he almost died from. Okay, and the reason that I know about it is it's what my dad has. My dad has the same cancer as him right now. And so immediately when I see him, I'm more appreciative of just of his presence because I know he's sick. Same with my dad. Why does it have to be that you have to wait for your parents to get cancer before you appreciate every moment with them, right? And so trade your expectations for appreciation. Just start to appreciate things. By the way, that's a habit. 
All you have right now, bro, and people listen to this, is just a habit of not appreciating, not being grateful. It's just a habit. doesn't make you bad. doesn't mean you can't fix it. It's starting to just go, I do appreciate that. Wow, that breeze feels good on my face. Mm. Man, I'm healthy. Man, I got a full, you got a beautiful You know what I would trade for your head of hair right now, dude? Do you know how killer good looking I would be with that head of hair, right? <laughs> so there's little things you got going for you. I'm 47 years old. You're 30, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know how great it is to be freaking 30 years old, right? But if you ask my dad, he goes, do you know how great it is to be 47? Yeah. Holy crap. Do you know how great it is to live in this time? Bro, I remember when there was no internet, right? <laughs> I, I, I was on an airplane the other day. I'll tell you real quick. And this guy was getting all pissed off because we were delayed like 20 minutes. He's yelling at the people. And I wasn't on my plane because my plane was getting painted. So I'm flying commercial. And so I just was more observant of people because I'm never around people on airplanes anymore. So I'm going to, this guy's all, we're in first class. He's all pissed off. And I'm like, I want to tell him, do you know how freaking amazing it is that we're about to get on an airplane that will take us to Dallas, Texas in four hours from L.A. They're going to give you free booze, a great <laughs> meal. There's air conditioning on here. I'm glad we didn't take off if there's a mechanical issue because I don't want to crash this mother, right? <laughs> you know how amazing flight is? We're going to go in the damn air and fly 500 miles an hour somewhere and then land and you paid like 800 bucks for this, you freaking idiot. Appreciate <laughs> it, right? What the hell is wrong with you, Right. And it's all these things that we could take appreciation for. By the way, dumbass, there's a beautiful soul sitting right next to you on the plane. How about you say hello? Have a conversation. How about meet them? Find out their story. Maybe God put them there for you. So it's just slowing down. By the way, all of us have examples like that every single day where we just don't have the appreciation. And by the way, when it's gone, when my dad's gone someday... I'm going to wish I was more appreciative. I was more grateful. When your dad's gone someday, you're going to wish that, right? When I can't walk on that beach someday because my I'm too old to do the walking, I'm going to wish I enjoyed those walks on the beach more, yeah. right? I'm going to wish I enjoyed my youth more, my health, my opportunity, my moment, my family, my friends, myself, my God. Just enjoy it. Appreciate it. Trade all these expectations you have and have some appreciation. Yeah. I love it, man. That yeah. is so amazing. I think that it's something that I... I think, again, we talked about the universe earlier and energies and how timings, I think, that things are supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think we're supposed to have this conversation because my, my grandma's not very well at the moment. Sorry. My, uh, my mum had a brain tumor about six years ago. Oh, but my goodness. Thankfully, she survived, but... Good. You know, it never fully goes away. So yeah. um, it's something I'm conscious of a lot myself and I try to speak to her every day, but then when I get stressed and I get distracted by all these things that mm-hmm. feel important in the moment, I, I lose a handle on speaking to my family and my friends and, and being there for them when I feel like I should be. Me too, by the way. I don't want you to think I'm perfect. Everybody <laughs> does that, bro. Yeah. The fact that you're self-aware and you're such a good man that it bothers you that you do it means you get back on track. It's not yeah. bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Yeah, but I think it's just such a good reminder that, you know, they're the important things. And it comes right back around to what you were saying about not doing so many talks at the moment because you want to be here for your family. You want to see your kids and all those things. So. Yeah, and it's odd. You know what, man? Everything in your life happens for you, not to you. You've heard me talk about yeah, that. But I ironically, I mean, how does your mom's brain tumor happen for you? Mm. It's not that that event is good. It's that happy and successful and fulfilled people find a way to make it work for them. And so I bet you that, you know what, man? I'll bet you that you, you are a little bit closer to your mom because of it. You know, even though you don't call her all the time like you should. In fact, right before you came here today, right before you walked in, my dad called. And I didn't pick it up because you were walking down the staircase, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a little part of me that went, but my smile now when my dad calls, whereas before it was like, i got to pick up the phone, it's my dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get that. So I'll call him right away when we're done here. And so it's just every day, just a little bit more gratitude, a little bit more appreciation, and just knowing that this is not promised, man. Life is short. You're here for a flicker, dude. I mean, like, 
dude, let me listen to me. Yesterday, I was 30 years old. <laughs> Yesterday, I was 30. Yesterday, my kids were being born. Yesterday, I was getting married. And um, all we're really going to have at the end of this life is those memories and those moments. And so you want to go achieve because it gives you more memories, more moments. And you were put here, each of you, to do something great with your life. When you were a little boy or a little girl, there was this little intuition you had that you were special. That you are supposed to do something great. There's probably one person when you were a little kid who saw that in you. It was just the way they looked at you or they talked to you. In fact, if you even thought about that person right now, who was that person when you were a little girl or a little boy? They just made you feel special, like you were incredible. They just knew you were the special one. It was your grandma or a father or a friend. There's probably one person, right? They were right. And as life went on longer and longer and longer and the world starts putting us in these boxes, we tend to forget. Yeah. But they were right. And you know they were right. Now, what I want to be in the world is that person for other people. I want to be the person who reminds people how special they are. Because of my faith, and no matter what you believe, however God or the universe reveals himself to you is wonderful, okay? I'm here to remind you that you were born to do something great with your life in big and small ways. And I mean that sincerely. If you get anything out of today, I want to remind you of how special you are, what a miracle you are, how grateful I am you're here, and how grateful you should be to be here. And that person, whoever they are, when you pictured their face and all of your eyes got all teary-eyed right now, okay, it's because they were right and you know it. And by the way, if life ended today, did you prove them right or wrong? And if you haven't proven them right yet, you better get after it. You better recalibrate. You better get refocused because you're here for a flicker and you want to prove them right. You want to do something great and special with your life. Man, some people are going to do some amazing things after listening to that. I so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Thanks, Ed. So... We do the same three questions at the end of every mm-hmm. episode, as I, as I know mm-hmm. you've listened mm-hmm. to some of them now. So the first question is, is there anything specific that you've experienced or discovered recently that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I uh, experienced, well, it's got to do with my heart. It's physical. Is that okay to share yeah, with you? absolutely. Yeah. I had a kind of a cardiac event um, a few years ago and so I'm excited about the fact that there's so many things that you could be doing if you're proactive about your heart and your health and I'm a big believer this is way off topic but I've been reading more and more and more about inflammation in the body Mm -hmm. and how I believe that probably causes most diseases is inflammation in the body and I'm excited about the things I've learned that can cause your body to be less inflamed and so anybody that's listening to this that's you know over the age of 25 years old you know every once in a while just go get your blood checked go get your labs drawn just go see that you're healthy because there's so many advances in medical science the one thing I want you to do is I want you to live at your optimum physical capacity as long as you can so if you're 22 and you're listening you're like that doesn't apply to me of course it does because there are people more fit and healthier and stronger than you and the more you can do to understand your own body your own health your own wellness has everything to do because as an athlete in business now you're an athlete most athletes now train like business people you think about the great big football stars in europe or the basketball players in the united states these people are all business people in addition to being athletes mm-hmm. aren't they right they've got these big endorsement deals and foundations they lead yeah. well guess what business people whether you're 20 or 60 you need to train like an athlete. You need to have your body together because if the separator is 
around two o'clock every day when you get tired i don't i kick your ass in business i make a better call i'm more present in the meeting i'm stronger and so i'm excited for me in my own case i lift weights i eat pretty well but i've had some hard issues it's learning to put uh, the inflammation away and i've found out some ways to do that and there's great treatments for it amazing yeah that's so good so the first thing is it's so funny we again we're talking today i watched Mm -hmm. a video this morning about how they basically said that conor mcgregor Mm -hmm. although the best fighter in the ufc is also the best businessman in the ufc well by a mile right i mean he's he's like even close by a mile you get a hundred million dollars to do a boxing match and you've yeah. never even had a boxing match you're a good marketer right Con- yeah. i've had a lot of ufc guys on my show and i'll have connor on connor and i have actually talked about this he's a brilliant man but floyd mayweather who he fought says he's the best marketing guy he's ever seen in his life even better than him really so 100 percent true is he going to come on your show connor yeah and floyd i've talked with floyd and connor in fact oh, you know who i'm interviewing next week is mike tyson no way. So that should be All pretty right. cool. We'll look forward to that. Yeah, so that will probably cool. be out around the same time I put this one out. Probably a little later just because I've got a backlog. Okay. Yeah, All right, probably cool. a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not as organized as you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the other one on the inflammation is interesting. I was reading something the other day about how we don't really think about this, but mm-hmm. the inflammation that we have around our midsection, for example, mm-hmm. if people are getting overweight, you've got, you got fat around your midsection. Mm-hmm. That same, the same inflammation that's there. Correct. The blood is flowing to that area. Yep. You're getting that in your brain as well. You're getting information in your brain, and that means that all of your performances are going to be uh, affected. Almost everything now, I think they're figuring out, man, has to do with your vascular system and your blood, and that's why I said get your labs drawn. There's yeah. so much information in there. And then I'll give you two little simple things I do for my body that have helped me. I'll give you three. I do IV therapy. Mm-hmm. So I do a regular IV where I get you know vitamins and nutrients even when I'm not feeling good. I do cryotherapy, yeah. which takes out the inflammation in my body. And I've just learned for me, like the deeper I could sleep, I don't like sleeping. I talk about it in my book. Like I, I, I don't want a lot of hours of sleep, but you got to get deep sleep. So I sleep on something called a chili pad, which is a cooling pad that I sleep on. Um, I, uh, you'll, you'll read that the little bit cooler the room is, the deeper you'll sleep and the more well rested you are when you wake up. So I sleep on something you could all get if you wanted to called a chili pad. Those are just three quick tips. Amazing. Yeah, yeah that's so good. We had yeah. um, a sleep uh, specialist, sports sleep specialist. I on saw, the podcast. I saw yeah. the guy. Yeah, he's, I saw that. He's interesting. So he'd know more about that than I do, but I've interviewed some too, and that's where I got the chili pad. Right, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, all right. And the next one is if you were going to give every listener one piece of advice that they could take away, incorporate into a daily routine that's going to drive their performance forward, what would that one thing be? I would have you have a regimented morning and evening routine, okay? And so I have this in my book. I'm not selling my book. My book, by the way, is free. You can just go to maxoutbook.com, put in the code maxout, and it's free. Amazing. So, yeah. I know it's harder to get in the UK, but they'll ship it to you or whatever. I don't know. Try it. <laughs> Try it anyway. But anyway, it would be have a morning and evening routine. And there's no upsell on my book. I have nothing to sell you at all. I have no monetization. Here's why. I have a philosophy that if I can control the first 30 minutes of my day and the last 30 minutes of my day, I have a much greater likelihood of having control over the middle. The vast majority of humans on earth from the minute they open their eyes are responding and reacting throughout their entire life. What's the first thing most people do? They wake up, now in the modern world, turn over, grab their smartphone, and what's on there? Problems, stress, worry. So what I've done is I move my phone away from my bed. Hardest thing I'm telling you maybe I've ever done in my damn life is not touch my smartphone the first 30 minutes of the day. Almost excruciating the first two months. Now I would never do it. And so what happens is I have a routine I share in my book about meditation, prayer, a cold shower, cold plunge, 
um, some stretching, uh, some gratitude exercises, some stuff I do. Just the first 30 minutes, it gives me control of my RAS mm. over the first 30 minutes of my day. And now I can go get into that phone. By the way, it's amazing to me, after I shared that routine, how many massive achievers have told me they switched it after I told them to and the big difference it's made. And then a few of them that I've interviewed said, I do the same thing, I just don't touch my phone the first 30 minutes. That is a criteria of winners. They do not look at that stupid phone the first 30 minutes of the day. And then the last 30 minutes of my day, I have a routine that winds down my day, prepares my RAS for sleep, and working on the things I want, gets my body ready to rest. 30 and 30, your whole life would change in the middle. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you can get a routine that serves you the first 30 minutes, the last 30 minutes, your whole damn life will change. Yeah. So that would be that. Amazing. And is your recommendation for those routines in the book? It's in the book. Perfect. Yeah. Right. And if you, you don't have to use mine, just get your own. But you yeah, can use yeah. mine. I'll give you mine in the book. It's a good start off. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. Amazing. And the final question is, if you take yourself back to let's go back right before you started that job with the kids and you were helping out there and you took a bit more responsibility on imagine there's two versions of ed what's the difference between the version of yourself who went on and had the incredible incredible success that you've had to date versus the one who wouldn't have gone on to achieve all those things by the way you're an unbelievable interviewer like i just want to acknowledge that you're so good bro the difference in the two is my increase in my self-confidence and my faith and so if that, if you'd have met the before me, there's a guy who really didn't believe in anything beyond himself. I said I did, but I didn't and had no self-confidence. And so the shift was I started to build my self-confidence. And the way that I did that, self-confidence is self-trust. I started to keep the promises I made to myself. Simple things like when I got up in the morning, when I'd go to the gym, how many phone calls I'd make, how I'd treat people, what I would eat. I started to stack promises I kept to myself and I started to build self-confidence. So that changed. And then I just had some experiences in my life that just made me believe there's something bigger than me out there. Yeah. And those two things, if I'll tell you right now, if someone listening to this could walk out of this phone call in 30 days from now, have a little bit stronger faith in whatever it is they believe in or don't believe in, and had more self-confidence, they're more equipped to win. Mm-hmm. And those are the two shifts for me. Amazing. Yeah. Man. It's a good interview, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was really good. That was good you know, that. you're in one, you're like, this is a good one. Yeah, like real flow state. I feel really like. good, brother. That's hey, because of you. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. It was, a, it was an honor sitting down with you. I've been a big fan of all the work you've been putting out, and I really push everyone to go and check it all out. I've absolutely loved talking to you. It's been a real pleasure. So thanks so much. God bless. Appreciate man. Thank it. you. Everybody. Thanks, Ed. So there it is guys i hope you found that half as beneficial as i did i would love it if you could screenshot the episode tag me at whittle take flight flight spell fl1 ght and tag ed at ed Milet on instagram share it with us post it share it in your story anywhere that you can that would be amazing i love seeing the stories that you guys are sharing i love having the conversations and connecting with you guys there follow ed if you don't already at ed Milet on instagram check out his amazing podcast in audio from all places that podcasts are available and he has an incredible video version on youtube that's filmed at his house right on the beach where the two of us recorded this episode as well so go and check that out for sure also go and get his book max out we mentioned it a few times here and it's a great read i got it shortly after i met with ed it's a real short book and straight to the point with fantastic advice You can get it at maxoutbook.com. It cost me $10 for shipping to get it sent over to London and was worth every penny. Thanks so much again, guys, for listening. 
We have an exciting guest coming for episode number 21 and a big announcement coming up next week as well. So again, you can follow me at WhittleTakeFlight on Instagram for all updates. And in the meantime, stay positive, stay motivated and take flight.